So here we are with um, the lovely Bev Saunders of Edge Framing. Or Edge Framing or Edge Framers? Edge Bespoke Picture Framing. Edge Bespoke Picture Framing. There you go. Yeah. I do like to get these technical details correct because when people are needing to Google you, they need to have all of the words, don't they? Edge yeah. Bespoke Picture Framing. Yeah. And I met Bev through Kent Creative Social Journal or Kent Creatives generally, didn't I? Through Natalie Banax. Mm -hmm. And one of her Zoom meetings. That's right, one of her Zoom meetings. And we were going to do this recording on Zoom, but Zoom have been less reliable with their recordings of late. So I'm not I'm not I'm not risking it anymore over on that Zoom platform. <laughs> We're on. We're in our safe place on Crowdcast, <laughs> where we know that the recordings all happen. All this new technology—it's yeah. scary. Stick to what you know. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, Bev, I am going to hand the stage over to you, really, um, as I do when we um, have these chats. And really, it'd be interesting to know about Bev, you know, where it all started for Bev and, and, you know, the journey to now, how you ended up from Lancashire into Kent and picture framing. So tell us about it. How did it, what's your earliest memories? Uh, my earliest memories was at school, junior school even, and just really enjoying art and drawing. Um, not really feeling that I had a particular talent for anything else, but I just loved it. And as I sort of went through my education, it became evident that what I really wanted to do was something creative that uh, sort of became a bit of a passion um, and a mission. So I dutifully did my uh, foundation course at Lincoln. I'm from Lincolnshire, by the way, not Lancashire. And um, then I went on to Croydon to study textiles. Uh, when I started the foundation course, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a graphic designer, but studying that one year, and and it's the whole point of that one year is to to experience lots of different uh, genre of creativity. And it was during that period that I realised I didn't want to be a graphic designer at all. I wanted to be a textile designer. So I went on to Croydon to study textiles and. Um, specialising in print and came out of college just when the British textile industry was really at rock bottom and kind of did various um, jobs, temping jobs, all the time desperately trying to get back into a creative career and eventually it kind of happened when Julian's work moved to Bristol um, and that was when I met Aza. Aza was a picture framer who ran, um, would, you, would you believe, a picture framing business called uh, Decent Exposure. And she became my picture framer for the odd bits and pieces of work that I was doing. And one day I just went in there and I said, I don't suppose you need any help for you. She'd just lost her business partner who's moved on to other other got a few other interests and so Asa was left doing the work of two people and 
she was the creative head of that that um, partnership. Sarah was the, the business head. So Asa was taking on something completely alien to her and still had all of this creative work to do. So I kind of asked the question at just the right time, really. And so I was with her. It was only meant to be a stopgap for both her and for me, but I was with Asa for seven years. And I only left because Julian's work moved us again and moved us to Kent. So um, obviously I had to, to finish working with Asa and I didn't know when and where I was going to get a job again in Kent. And But I was really fortunate actually because I started working with interior designers. I learned an awful lot of new skills working with interior designers using my um, my textile background, I've obviously got a really good eye for colour and texture and putting collections together. So during that time, I learned an awful lot about uh, interior layout, um, electrical ceiling plans, um, specialist joinery, and I actually ended up specialising in designing furniture specifically for um, the interiors of restaurants because that's what this particular company specialised in, refurbishing restaurants. So that actually introduced me to a lot of the local joiners who were actually manufacturing all the specialist joinery, all the uh, bars, back bars, specialist furniture, all kinds of things. And having been made redundant from that particular uh, job, I knew I've got so many kind of contacts behind me um, I actually started working with one of the joinery companies and was basically running their design department and designing fitted furniture, freestanding furniture, getting involved with the joinery workshop itself. Uh, when the when there was a deadline looming, I'd be out there with the lads and it was it was a great place to be and I just really enjoyed it. But it meant that I could pursue my my creative elements that I kept trying to get back to and again I was made redundant and I was looking for something to do I started I thought kind of thought I had to change my tack completely and leave creativity and would you believe I actually started working with the local authority and hated it so much again I was with them for seven years and I just I just had enough after seven years and a friend of mine actually just happened to make the comment that he just bought a whole shop of second-hand picture framing equipment and when he realised that I used to frame with Ava, he said that I could use it at any time that I wanted to. Um, but he was based in Ashford, I was based in Hyde, so it wasn't really going to be terribly practical for me to go running up and down the motorway um, until I could build a reasonable client base so I decided it's something that I've got to do for myself and that's kind of how I came back to picture framing just by uh, a friend sort of making a throwaway comment really because he didn't know that I'd been a picture framer um, and he wasn't interested in forming a partnership and developing his business as a partnership so I just decided, that's it, I've got to do it myself, and, and uh, I haven't looked back since. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I'm now in my 
ninth year and uh, loving every minute of it. Met so many amazing people and um, developed some new skills which I didn't have, skills which you really do have to develop if you're going to run a business on your own. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. That's incredible, isn't it? Nine, year, nine years you've been doing this picture framing business. Yeah, yeah. And it just proves, doesn't and it? That time has gone so quickly. I'm sure, I'm sure. It just proves you don't ask, you don't get. Because if you hadn't have asked that first question. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. And Asia was the most amazing person to actually learn the basics from because she was such an intuitive creative herself an intuitive framer i mean i i would look at um i would stand by her watching how she was dealing with her clients and how she was dealing with what what was brought into her and she would put together things that i just would never have imagined just never thought of and um obviously initially when i started working with her if Ada wasn't around her clients would come in to talk to her and would want to speak to her, obviously, because she had gained their confidence. They didn't want to talk to me, the, the monkey. They wanted to talk to Ava. But eventually, as time went by, I, I kind of um, I developed a really good relationship with them and I got their confidence. So uh, I kind of feel that... Uh, well, and, and actually, when, when I left and we moved to Kent, Ava just kind of assumed that I was going to step up on my own here anyway. And I just thought, well, that was a, a real kind of compliment because that kind of said to me that, yes, I've got, I've got enough talent and enough skill to get started. But it didn't happen for many, many years. But now I'm here now. It's wonderful to have somebody support you in that way, isn't it? To someone give yeah. you that confidence of say, of, it's so empowering. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And it, and she, she's a super girl, and I, I really enjoyed the time that I spent with her, and it was just really sad, really, that I, I had to leave. But um, um, so much positive has, has actually come out of it. So Life moves on, doesn't it? Life moves on. Yeah, it really does. Is she still in your life? Um. Um, through social media, yeah, because she, she's now down in Medigiti, which was an absolute dream for her. And of course, we're in Kent, so yeah, but we are still in contact. Oh, that's lovely. Do you remember who the first person was to walk through the door when you opened the, the uh, framing um, nine years ago? Oh, um, oh, that's a question and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mention I might ask that, did I? <laughs> oh my goodness! No, I can't. Oh yes, I can. Yes, I can. They didn't actually walk through the door, but she. It was a lovely neighbour of ours around the corner, and my God, she she supportive. My goodness, she really was because she almost kind of started looking around, hunting around the house, looking for things to be framed, and. Um, yeah, I, I framed artwork, I reframed artwork, I framed cartoons that she um, loved from the newspapers and she got the, the original um, uh, print uh, of the cartoons and uh, I framed, oh, I 
framed the mirror for her. Um, we framed loads of uh, watercolours, beautiful old watercolours. And so, yeah, I think I've been right through her house now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need clients like that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. uh, what about the first, do you remember the first artist to walk through your door? Um, well, artists, no, none of the artists have actually walked through my door cold. The artists that have come through my door are artists, excuse me, artists who I've met through networking um, and through uh, the various uh, art groups that are around. Um, so I've kind of met them and then they've, they've sort of had a chat with me and then they've made the appointment uh, to come to see me. I ask people to make an appointment because because I'm here on my own and I network normally quite a lot. Um, if anybody was to turn up without an appointment, they could be, it could be a, a, a wasted journey for them if I happen to be, you know, networking or, or actually taking a meeting myself. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, networking is, is a great way to build those relationships um because you said as you said in the beginning it is a lot of it is based on trust isn't it yeah it is yeah that the old phrase um no like and trust is it, it's so it's such a cliche but it's so true mm -hmm. that people have they're parting with quite a lot of money aren't they uh, they can be yeah yeah and also that a lot of these items they pass over to you are precious to them yeah and I'm very conscious of that um, which is uh, one of the reasons I became a member of the fine art trade guild because um, you know people are passing over sometimes incredibly valuable pieces to, to me um, and I just need to know that I'm doing the right thing and the best by the artwork and for, for the clients um, and the great thing about the Fine Art Trade Guild is their technical support and um, their, their CPD. You're, you're constantly learning by being involved with and having um, a contact with them. So if there's anything that I'm ever, you know, not sure of or worried about, I just get, get onto the phone to one of the... Um, more senior members, shall we say, <laughs> who've been in the uh, for a lot longer than I have, um, just for a little bit of guidance, a bit of reassurance that what I'm planning to do is the right thing. Um, and yeah, that's been invaluable to me. And, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm looking after people's artwork because otherwise uh, I could be doing something to its detriment, which there's absolutely no way I would want to do. Absolutely. It's, you know, it can be someone who's inherited something or it could be an artist who spent, you know, three or four months creating something, couldn't it? And uh, yeah. yeah, precious cargo. Yeah. The other thing as well is that you never know what's coming through your door because you might, you might be taking in a piece of work by uh, an emerging artist who in 10 or 15 or even 20 years time suddenly becomes very collectible and very valuable. Yeah. And if if I hadn't framed it um, and and taken care technically with it, and I've damaged it, then you know that that could be bad news for me. 
and value is obviously for my clients. Yeah, absolutely, because it's investment, isn't it? That's I think that's the thing. There's so much tied up in framing. People say, "Oh, I'll just go and get it framed," but there's so there's so many nuances to framing that you have to think about. You know, from you know the the preciousness of something that's sentimental, and then the value of it actually in commercial terms, yeah. the emotion that's tied up in it as well in all of those yeah. aspects. Yeah, it's a bit. And, it's and a bit I've just say, and its potential value—that's the big mm. thing to consider as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. So, it is all that thing about making sure it's in acid-free uh, mounts, and a lot of people talk. We were talking yesterday, um, oh, sorry, recently to Les uh, Williams. I know I'm getting this all wrong now. Um, the president of the SGFA, and uh, oh, sorry, I'm. I think I've done so many interviews now <laughs> that everyone's names merge into one eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, you don't want to call someone the wrong name, do you? That would be dreadful. <laughs> anyway, we're chatting to him and he was saying, you know, about that thing about, like you just said about emerging artists and the investment they have to make in themselves because framing is very expensive, but to get that next step. So there, there's a lot invested in it. Yeah, there is. Yeah, um, and, and what I, I understand that for artist framing probably is is expensive or can be expensive, but it's understanding that um, properly mounted and properly framed, um, it, it's um, it's a sales technique for them. If the, if the work is looking good and it's and it's being presented well, then it stands a far better chance of being sold and for a higher price actually, it kind of raises the game of the artwork. So I absolutely agree with you that a poorly framed piece of work can, that so something that's beautiful but poorly framed can actually be lost and people don't see it as uh, as they're looking around and, you know, there's a lot of art out there, isn't there? Whereas if you yeah. frame it well and you pay respect to the artwork and the, and I had this conversation with Louisa Crispin back in the very early days of her doing her beautiful drawings. And I said, you, you know, they're exquisite and you have to frame them exquisitely and show that you really appreciate that they're exquisite. And it was a game changer the minute you um, framed them respectfully to what they were. It really yeah. changed how people viewed them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you love your work and you you show people how much you love your work, they've got to kind of stop and question it, haven't they? And, and kind of think, um, well, it, it will stop people in their tracks. And if you respect your work, then they have to respect it as well. Mm. They can't not respect it. Mm, mm, exactly. But that is a that is a massive thing. And you have to do that right from day one. Um, as an emerging artist, and it's such an expensive thing. Yeah. With your framing, um, what's the kind of, you know, thinking about the pricing of it? I know that the we were talking about the glass. The glass can be such an expensive element, can't it? It can, yeah. But it, even with the glass, you don't have to spend that much more to actually um, improve improve the 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 protection of the work mm. because uh, conservation glass offers so much more um, 
protection UV, against UV damage, mm -hmm. but actually, relatively, for, for, what, for what you're getting, relatively, it's not that much more expensive than standard glass. And not only does it protect your work better, it, it's a clearer glass, it's a white glass, so you're, you're seeing the work better through the glass. Yeah. And, and actually, when I quite often price a piece of work for somebody and I, I give them various glazing options just so that they can see what the, um, and, and I quote for the, the various glazing options, and they can see straight away um, where, where the money is going and, and what it's doing for them. And more often than not, I, I use very little standard glass now. More often than not, I'm using conservation glass as a minimum. And then anything much more technical than that and much more expensive than that, depending on what the client's priorities are. So conservation glass has almost become standard. That, and that's really good to hear because it so protects the work from the uv damage as you say because there's not many places you can hang a piece of work where it's not going to be um have any light at all no and, and actually it, it's quite shocking people people don't realize that um okay they're, they're probably in hanging a piece of work in a north facing room that's got a tiny window but they forget that there's uv coming from artificial lighting they forget that uv bounces it doesn't just um, damage a piece of work that it hits directly. UV bounces from surface to surface. So, um, yeah, it, it's something which it, it, it's a little bit of education, I suppose, when you chat with people, yeah. make, you know, sort of making them realise just what the implications are um, and what they can do to to not rectify it, but actually slow it down. Yeah. Slow, slow down the damage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if people wanted to get in contact with you, um, obviously you've got your website, which is um, the website address is edgeframing.co.uk. Um, yeah. And you were saying they have to make an appointment, really. They can't just walk in off the street. No, because I work, my studio is at home. So, um, and, and because it's just me on my own, um, and I do quite a lot of networking when we're not locking, being locked down. Yes. Um, it, it could be a wasted journey for them if they were just to turn up. So it's really better for them if they could just give me a quick call and uh, pop them in the diary. And then they know that, um, you know, I shall be here. Yeah. So what's your, te what's your telephone number? 01303 268618. And your email address is? Um, bev at edgeframing.co.uk. Perfect. So that's how people can get in touch with you. Um, how has it been since um, you mentioned lockdown? So now we're out of lockdown and people are going out and about again. How, how has life been since um, the lockdown eased? Um, it, it just kind of continues. Um, I, I suppose in particular, it's, what, what I've noticed is more new clients. Um, people are, are just uh, Googling. They, they need a picture framer, so they're Googling and finding me. Um, I think the, the person that built my website did a good job there. <laughs> 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 and um, and the, the, the repeat.
repeat clients who are coming back, they are they're coming back with multiples of work, not just a piece of work or a couple of pieces of work. They're coming back with sort of like three, four, and five pieces of work at a time, and it's just yeah, it's just great. That's um, fabulous. And what kind of work are they yeah. bringing? What kind of things are they bringing to you? Um, crikey, all across the board. Um, quite a lot of original work, but a lot of limited edition print. Um, I've got one uh, client who is, I'd call her an artist. I know she, she wouldn't call herself an artist, but she most definitely is. She does a lovely um, pastel drawing. Um, people who like collecting um, work, uh, quite often people, well, there's one uh, client in particular I can think of who really enjoys traveling. And she brings an original piece of work back home with her from wherever she's been. And they're usually tiny little pieces because she can carry them easily. Um, but she's got such a collection of them now. And yeah, it's just lovely. It's lovely when the, the, uh, the telephone goes and I hear her, her voice on the line. Um, but I'm guessing quite a lot of people now who are moving to the area from London. Yes. And it's really interesting because I get one, one sort of group of clients who say, oh, crikey, that's more than I was thinking. That's more than I really wanted to pay. But then I get the clients who have moved into the area from London who go, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe it's time to put your prices up there. <laughs> Well, they're so used to Bromley in London prices that, you know, when I I kind of work out a price for them. And they bring big work. I mean, I'm doing a piece of work at the moment, which is about a metre and a half long and uh, about 700 wide. So, uh, and that's a bit tricky in my compact and bijou studio, I have to say, but uh, there are ways and means. <laughs> Do you get things, um, do you get fabrics? Because you said, you were saying earlier you have a passion for textiles and you love textiles in your earlier, you know, that was the thing you did when you were at uni. Um, do you get textiles to frame? I do, yes. Um, what have I had? Uh, I've had quite a lot of cross-stitch, obviously, but there is an artist who lives locally to me who is a textile artist. She does a lot of... Um, it's uh, sort of like free embroidery and free machine embroidery, but she mm -hmm. uses a, a lot of mixed media in there as well. Um, and she's become quite a good client of mine. Her work is lovely. It's sort of like artwork size, um, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of cool stuff. Um, and it's really interesting. It's really interesting to work with. And she, she, because she has, she is creative. She's really interested in making sure that the work looks good when it's framed. Um, and she was a client who initially kind of was a little bit, little bit wary about the cost of framing. But after doing a couple of pieces for her, she understood, you know, just what a difference it makes. Yeah. At doing it, actually framing it properly. Yeah, professional so, professional framing yeah. is is worth every single penny that an artist yeah. ever spends on it. But it, we all have to appreciate it is um, it's a it's a mindset, isn't it? It's a mindset. It is, it mm. is, and I, I appreciate that. Where, you know, when artists are preparing for exhibition, it's, it's 
it can be costly. It's a hell of a an outlay, um, mm. especially if you've got a number of pieces of work, or if you're if you're sort of if it's a solo exhibition, it's even harder. I do understand that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It makes it makes all the difference, and I know um, during COVID, because you, you you you're particularly um, passionate about the children, aren't you? And you did a children's exhibition. <laughs> Tell us about well, that. Um, it didn't start out as a children's thing. I have to say, it started out as a, a creative, you know, a, um, a means for the creative um, community to sort of thank the NHS and all of our key workers for what they were doing for us. Um, but because I put a table at the end of the, the driveway with some cards, what I did was I, I made up some little frames which were based on luggage label size. And they were made up out of leftover moulding. And I kind of thought that it was a way of me being able to use the moulding, but it was a, a piece of work which wouldn't be too big and too onerous for people to, to produce. And so I put some cards out on a table at the end of the drive with, with some markers, you know, brightly coloured markers. And the children just picked it up and ran with it. It was just amazing. And um, the mums and the dads started to get involved. And then uh, whole families and, and aunts and uncles were walking past. And they were sitting on the wall and, and starting to do it as well. And it, it was just amazing. And but it was the diversity and the uh, cross-section of media that came in from the, from the artists. So I've got everything from embroideries, um, print, photography, watercolours, um, cartoons, um, etching. Uh, I even had two pieces of fused glass, can you believe? Oh, wow. Um, all and I had a piece of work, it was a, a digital, in digital form, from an artist in Helensborough. He'd seen it on social media and he sent me this, this image of one of his paintings um, with a message. And I just thought, blimey, that, that, that's not bad going. Helensborough, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> and then I got contacted by another picture framer in Isha, who had seen uh, the, the thank you gallery, as I called it. And they said, what a brilliant idea. Do you mind if I copy it? And I said, yeah, do it. Area. So, and it was so, it turned out to be such a good thing for me PR-wise because it got picked up by um, a number of local magazines, uh, local radio programs, local TV. And I even had a, a, an article written about me in uh, Formal Magazine, which is a magazine produced by one of the most amazing um, moulding companies, moulding manufacturers. So I've even written about in the industry. So, oh, that's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, what, happened, just, I, uh, sorry. What, happened to, what happened to all the work? What have you done with all the work since then? Ah, right. Well, um, any original work which came in, I, obviously I didn't put that out um, uh, to negotiate the elements. I, I uh, copied the original work. And I laminated everything to protect it as best I could from the weather, um, but I couldn't protect it from the sun. Oh. So uh, an, awful, an awful lot of it has just it literally faded to nothing. What? But I, I, it upset me, but my husband kind of said, well, it's part of the process. It's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. 
So, but we photographed everything, and I'm actually looking into probably producing a little book, a little bit like Natalie's Three Six Five project. I think that sounds like a, such a lovely idea because if you photographed it or you have retained it, as you, I think your husband's right. It, COVID was a COVID lockdown was a moment in time, and then you know whatever comes going forward will be its moment in time, won't it? And yeah. it's transient, and it's how we respond to it. And yeah, we have. To, it's difficult, isn't it, to let these things go when they disappear? But yeah, book would be great, wouldn't it? Like a just something. Yeah. I'm just getting some uh, quotations from um, a couple of people to see what it would cost to actually produce it and to see whether I could actually um, perhaps um, sell it with a view to all profits going to an NHS charity or something yeah. like that. But that, as I say, I'm just researching that at the minute. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lovely kind of like full circle outcome for that yeah. project. But as you say, you know, yeah. amazingly, how amazing that is done for your business by the PR from doing something that was like just you just wanted to be proactive during that difficult period and keep people motivated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I, I was I was even filmed. <laughs> 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 they had Tony King from the BBC here, and uh, and uh, Andrew South from The Looker. They they um, kind of worked together, so uh, they came here um, one hot sunny day, and uh, suddenly I'm, I understand what it's like to be in front of the camera. <laughs> How lovely! Your five minutes of your five, your five minutes of fame. <laughs> Yeah. So what next? So that was that was exciting. Apart from the book, what else have you? What else have you got in your imagination? What for? For COVID or for, idea, for, idea, for ideas going forward? Oh, well, um, well, actually, I've um, I've just discovered the most amazing picture framer in London, who. Um, he is his work is completely bespoke and it's kind of inspired me um and when i say his work is completely bespoke i mean he he creates the molding wow he doesn't just frame the work he actually creates the molding and they are just stunning so every molding is designed specifically for each piece of work um, and he uses so many different techniques to to actually create these moldings um, and to put, get the design onto the moulding, whatever it is that he's trying to do. And I just thought, yeah, that, that's something to kind of uh, have, on a, have in the back of my mind. Yeah. Oh, that so, sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of um, hand-created, hand hand-finished, hand-produced hand moulding um, specifically for... For a specific piece of work yeah it sounds like an awful lot of work yeah <laughs> yeah but well we'll see probably i'll probably i would have to do it on a much smaller scale than here i mean his i mean his work is just amazing he's working with uh top-end interior designers and top-end um hotels and people like that but you know in a in a small way you, you never know <laughs> Oh, it's always important to have a dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that, that was something I discovered only recently. And 
it's another it's another one of those by chance things as well because it was just something that popped up um in my social media feed and i haven't been following him i didn't know anything about him until this thing popped up so i've sort of been investigating him and researching him and and looking at what what exactly what he really does and it's just just amazing and i just kind of think yeah i wouldn't mind kind of tapping into a little bit of that so oh. yeah we'll see. does he do does he teach i wonder does he does he train i think he's too busy for that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but that would be an amazing thing to explore for yourself, wouldn't it? To do the research and work out how to do it for yourself. Yeah, use, use my own creativity. It's mm. mm. uh, amazing. Thank you so much. That's so fascinating. And we found out so much more about the world of framing and what goes on on the inside of our framers. That's, that's just truly fascinating. Hopefully people won't now be anxious about going into a framer and asking for guidance and support because that's what, that's what you are about, isn't it? Giving the guidance and support. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And actually it's one of the things that, you know, the feedback that I get from clients, it's one of the things that comes up such a lot actually is that they, they're very appreciative of, of the, the help that I've given them just by talking to them. Um, and it's, explaining things and pointing things out and um, giving them options but if they need a bit of guidance I'll, I'll explain to them why I would suggest this this and this mm. um, give them alternative options but the, the real message that I, I receive back an awful lot is, is they're very grateful to understand things which they didn't understand before mm. so yeah it is it's, 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 it's it's a world that we don't understand, us who are on the outside of the of the framers' room. How do you get those mitres? <laughs> How do you get the glass in there without breaking it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a skilled profession, and um, and to have someone there who is so so warm and generous and prepared to kind of hold your hand and guide you is is invaluable. That's it. Uh, you know, no wonder you've got more and more clients coming to you, Bev. Um, if you're if you're as warm on the uh, in in real person when they come into you as you have been the, um, this evening, then I'm not surprised at all. And I hope that it, long may it continue. Long may it continue. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And um, we'll be doing another Art 360. So you're. Um, this interview came about as part of the Art360 project and we will be doing another Art360 in April 2021. So hopefully you'll be happy to be part of that as well. And um, this will people will be listening to this as a podcast and hopefully next time we might get to do a, um, a real live um, look around your studio and you can show us some work and everything because I think people would be fascinated to do like a follow-on. The sequel... Yeah. I love the idea. We're going to do the, <laughs> the sequel. It'd be like a series. <laughs> and next time, maybe you could show us how you do a, how you um, do the mitering, and um, how you cut the glass and things. Because I think people would be fascinated to see that. That'd be great. Uh, well, 
I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it can be done. <laughs> I'm sure it can be done. Thank you so much. And just to remind everybody, just give them your phone number again, just so that they um, they know how to contact you. Okay, my landline is 01303 268 618 and my mobile is 078 5815 And it's bev at edgeframing.co.uk if people want to email you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, t to doing the sequel with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. when we'll do some making enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah it's been fab Brilliant. thank you so much all right speak to you again soon you. take care bye bye bye, -bye.